to Fucked Up by Faith. My name's Jude Mills. In this podcast, we have conversations with people who've been fucked up by their faith, and we explore how they found hope, healing, reconciliation, and forgiveness in or out of their faith tradition. So my guest today is Mary Lauder. Mary and I met um, on my first trip to Colorado in 2016 and she now lives in uh, Michigan and Mary is an osteopathic physician who specializes in an integrative medicine which is one of my real interests and Mary tells me that she has a very interesting faith journey which I'm really excited to hear about. Welcome Mary, it is really good to see you. It's good to see you too, Jude. Good morning to you. Good um, morning. Morning here in the States. Yes, yes. very early morning there. So we'll, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, this whole concept of fucked up by faith was intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, at first, I thought it might be a bunch of angry people who were just really upset. But actually, as I worked through it and thought of it, it's like, really, no even things that are traumatic to us, there's a sense of wisdom in those things. Absolutely. And there's a sense of um, uh, ability to find who we really are. Mm -hmm. And there's an ability to not just be victimized, but mm -hmm. to actually do more than survive, but we can even thrive despite circumstances mm -hmm. that come our way. Mm -hmm. So, um, and at the end of the day, it you know, I guess sometimes the more fucked up you get, the better your story is sometimes. And sometimes it might even be a little entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And uh, so you, you, the little bits that you fed me have, are, are intriguing me already. Uh, now, yes. I, I begin all of my, my conversations on this podcast with a, a prayer or a blessing or a poem. And um, so today, yes. uh, David's white poem sometimes... Uh, decided that it wanted to me to read it so um, I'll read that nice. sometimes sometimes if you move carefully through the forest breathing like the ones in the old stories who could cross a shimmering bed of leaves without a sound you come to a place where's, whose only task is to trouble you with tiny but frightening requests conceived out of nowhere, but in this place, beginning to lead everywhere. Requests to stop what you are doing right now and to stop what you are becoming while you do it. Questions that can make or unmake a life. Questions that have patiently waited for you. Questions that have no right to go away. Mm. I like that. Mm. Very poignant. Yes. So, Mary, how have you been fucked up by your faith? Well, um, apparently it takes more than one baptism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've had I've had four. Four, um, okay. Which is which is unconventional. It is. 
it is. Um, and I actually won maybe just two were all that was needed. So, um, so it's kind of a fascinating story. I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. So I had the infant baptism and uh, baptism of faith. And then interestingly, as I uh, went through my adolescence, I, um, and youth, I actually always wanted to be either a priest or a nun, couldn't decide. Thought it would be better to be a priest, but that didn't really work from a gender perspective in the mm-hmm. Catholic church. So um, didn't really want to be a nun because I didn't want to wear a dress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was kind of the, that was the limiting factor there. Um, so uh I did make a profession of faith as a, as a teenager in the Catholic faith and, and became um, confirmed. And so I had a sense of really wanting to seek God. Mm. And um, my parents struggled in their marriage and it was difficult sometimes on the home front, even though we were loved and cared for. Um, emotionally, it was just hard to come through those things. Mm. Um, so I went off to college, as any uh, person would do, uh, if they had the opportunity. And uh, what I found was I decided to get really religious when I got to college right away. Mm. And so um, the folks that I met up with by sitting at the dining room table were Pentecostals. Uh-huh. Holy rollers. Never had never heard of them before. <laughs> never heard of Pentecostals, had no concept of what it was but it was, it looked absolutely exciting to me. Mm. And the concept of the gifts, the concept of a uh, vibrant relationship with God was something that was certainly intriguing. Mm. And so um, after some understanding and some time, I uh, did what I was uh, told to do or taught to do was, was get born again. Um, so I guess I've been born again. I've actually been born again three times and baptized four times. So that's, you know, that's really, that's a unique one too there. And, um, so then there's a full immersion baptism because the sprinkling apparently wasn't enough. And, and, um, so I accepted that. Okay. And that was kind of an amazing part of the journey. Um, and then as I proceeded through college, um, I met up with, politics of the local churches Mm. Um, and I got a I got disillusioned so I stepped back and I really put my focus in graduating getting on to my next steps in my career and uh, going to another university for graduate work so I went from the University of Montana which was where I was living at the time back to returning back to my home state of Michigan and went to Michigan State and there's top couple programs in our nation with what I was studying that were the top one and two. And I got in the second program it was a, you know, pretty difficult to do, but I got in and, and um, decided at, when I returned to Michigan, I thought maybe I start attending church again. And just so I kind of had a lower expectation. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was I got even more religious, which was interesting because I found that um, out of my desire for a sense of belonging, I needed to conform. Mm. And in that 
conforming, I found out that I never really was saved because apparently it didn't stick because, you know, like my senior year in college, because I pulled back and just focused on my career and my life, that that meant I was backsliding. And I just, I kind of struggled with that concept, but I, but I had a desire more to belong than I did to um, really understand where I was at the crossroads of my own life. And I thought being at that crossroads was really wanting more sense of belonging and more sense of being a part of something. Mm -hmm. Um, And the hook with that uh, church group, it was called um, Maranatha Campus Ministries. It was a parachurch organization. It wasn't exactly a church. So it was focused around colleges and universities in the United States. And the hook there was, um, you know, living under the banner of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and your life has you know, so much specific meaning that God has a very specific, magnificent plan for your life that no one else can do. So it appealed to my sense of uniqueness. It appealed to my sense of wanting to make a difference. Mm -hmm. It appealed to my idealism. It appealed to um, uh, the fact that I was still struggling because my my parents and my home life was not as stable and I didn't get as much, um, not just affirmation, but support because they were struggling. And I can say that now looking back at the time, it was just like, Hey, you know, I was on fire and this was great. And, but then that meant I had to conform more. And so Mm -hmm. here I was in a very competitive graduate degree program, one of the top in the nation, and then participating in a church and the church always got after me for never being committed enough Mm -hmm. because my time was very full with, with my work and with my degree. And so I had to make decisions and the decisions I made was to compromise my school and my career because, and that was the only way I really could demonstrate commitment to God. Mm. And in doing so, you know, I believed that I wasn't saved because they said I wasn't, I believe I had to get baptized again. And because apparently my life didn't line up and all that created a great, a great deal of internal strife. Hmm. Um, but I also had forged relationships with, um, other college age, university age, graduate school age folks that were meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I didn't understand was that those were, that we all felt the same. We all felt we had to stick together, be together. And as things unfolded over the next number of years, um, it just became more and more apparent that this was more kind of like a cult. Mm. And they, you know, after a year of belonging and being a part of the conclusion from the leadership, because of, I I guess it it was just some things I did, which basically was speaking my mind or speaking my truth as I saw it, Mm -hmm. they felt I really wasn't saved. (laughs) 
And so okay. I, so one baptism as a baptism as a Catholic, one as a Pentecostal, one when I get into graduate school because for a renewal of my faith, and then about a year later they just decide I still really wasn't saved. Nothing really stuck. And so I, I said I didn't realize I had so much Teflon on me, you know, <laughs> and things would just realize that faith could just fly off of you like that. So, you know during that time, it was a very dark time when mm -hmm. I realized that that, you know, when they shared with me that I really wasn't saved because I, I had, a, I did, I had a relationship, a personal relationship, God, I loved God. I wanted to serve him. Uh, I wanted to understand things and I wanted my life to make a difference. And I just couldn't figure out how to do it any better. And I don't know that I really contemplated um, anything as dark or as deep as suicide, mm -hmm. but I sure contemplated just going away. Yeah. And I sure contemplated the concept of my life just isn't working. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that translated over into my graduate work. My graduate work fell apart. Yeah. It was a disaster. And, um, what I really, really, really wanted to do was become a physician. And I'd always felt since I was little that I was either to be in some kind of healing or ministry or both. And um, that's just what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And opportunities began to present themselves about medicine. And so the organization I was in, anything and everything you did from buying a car to where you work, to who you lived with had to be submitted to the elders for approval. Mm -hmm. And so it came down to where I was submitting, you know, whether or not I was going to go to med school and how it works. You know, there's so many people that apply to med school and only a certain number get in. Yeah. And I felt through my own uh, devotions and sense of quiet time in my relationship with God, that if I get in, it's obviously where I'm meant to be. Yeah. because the odds and the numbers were just, they're never in your favor, right? And so um, I applied to one medical school in the nation and I got in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was Michigan State because yep. uh, I wanted to stay right there. It had a very excellent re reputation. That's where I wanted to go. So I applied, I got in and I should submit that I submitted all of my stuff without the approval of the elders because they felt that I wasn't smart enough or good enough or, or usable enough. Hmm. Um, I don't, and I don't know where their thoughts came from. I think their thoughts came from, you know, I really don't know, well, to be honest. I have some ideas, but this is not my story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd like to hear those as we go through yeah. this because, um, you know, and, and so, uh, so I get in and there's a great celebration with some of my friends um, and then I'm approached by the elders that just cause you got in, doesn't mean you're supposed to go. Mm -hmm. That was the wake up call for me. Yeah. And, and interestingly at the time I didn't even swear. <laughs> so I couldn't have say, well, this is fucked up. <laughs> couldn't have said it. I go, well, this doesn't make sense. And I knew that if I wasn't a physician, it would it would be a devastation in my life. Yeah. I knew I just had to be a physician. And, 
you know, when I tell people who are looking at becoming a physician, looking at the medical profession, I say, if there's anything else you can do, go do it. Because you have this absolute burning desire to be a physician, then you better be that because nothing else will make you happy. And it's because of the time commitment. It's, it's because of the, um, how difficult it is to get, you're essentially in America, how it's set up, you're getting a four-year degree in two years, the volume of material. Yeah. Then you've got two to five years to eight years of clinical training that is round the clock. Mm-hmm. And the hours are, you know, very arduous. And some people say, well, it's abusive. It's this, it's that. It doesn't always have to be. In order to be a good physician, you have to see a certain number of people. You have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be able to make decisions. And a lot of that just comes through repetition, through time spent. You just literally have to absorb the profession, you have to absorb your skills mm-hmm. and you have to hone them. And it just takes a long time. So I don't uh, regret any of the length of time it took to become a physician or the commitment or the things I sacrificed for that because it was a lot. And there was nothing else I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. I'm fully convinced of that. Yeah. But it also cost me my position in the church. Mm-hmm. And I actually decided that that was an okay thing. hmm because I was told that I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't good enough, all I'd have to do is quit when I get married. And mind you, there wasn't anybody in sight, nor was I dating anyone, nor there was anyone approved for me to date, or did I have even anyone waiting in the wings? I'm like, who knows if, when, and I'll even get married, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that was very, very interesting. And at the time, that group I was in, which was Maranatha Campus Ministries, changed and i'm sure it was for tax reasons and i think they got in some issues relative to that i don't know all the details but they had to become a church from a parachurch so that changed the structure across the united states Mm -hmm. and the campus ministries began to come organized churches and so the government the administration those things changed so that was my opportunity to kind of exit quietly yeah because I had to focus on medicine. Uh, I had to be out of uh, Lansing where I was in. I had to be in other cities in Michigan and and do my work. But what was interesting is when I would meet back up with my friends that I knew from the church, they had all thought, and I had fallen away from the Lord and backslid. It was living a life of sin. Mm. Is that what Here I was just being in training. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and here I actually was off um, learning to be a physician. And that was actually some of the more um, personal development and growth in my faith than I had had in years because I was just all by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I was off, I was either in the hospital studying or, um, you know, being living quietly in an apartment in the woods in a beautiful part of Michigan that Mm -hmm. I just connected with nature, Mm -hmm. connected with God. I had some great times and just things that really allowed me to understand at that point that I saw things differently than other people. Yeah. And that that was something that was frequently um, misunderstood Mm -hmm. and frequently People just were not comfortable with that. Um, And it wasn't anything that challenged people or it wasn't challenging authority, but it was just like, hey, has anyone thought of this problem from this perspective? 
And it, it's interesting because that whole concept and perspective has been with me my whole life, you know, where that's just, that's how I'm wired. That's exactly how I'm wired. And um, it doesn't make for conformity very well. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make for uh, epic socialization very well. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's much easier to live on the fringe than it is to live deep in the heart of community. Because <laughs> um, yeah. you can be connected while on the fringe or on the edge, but you're not, uh, you've got some breathing room and some elbow room. Yeah. Is that as I describe it? Unless you're in yeah. a community where where diversity is embraced and where thinking yes. is embraced and where questioning is yes. invited, and of course none of those things were well. Certainly, from your description, it sounds like none of those things were were there in that church, that particular church group. That, that's correct. A, the the way it's sounding to me, and you mentioned the word cult. You know, there was a a lot of what what I might describe as coercive control, you know, so <clears throat> in order to keep yes. you in the fold, all of your all of your judgments and choices were scrutinized and inevitably yes. rejected in every single one yes. of them, um, because that was about your individual freedom, and right? Freedom of choice, and that's exactly what is is. Uh, damaging to a high control group you know they want everybody yes. to be to conform as you say yes um do you know what are they still in operation do you know they are mm. they are and um i have uh effectively stalked people on facebook so <laughs> looking yep see what they're up to and some folks, it's just the same as what it was 25, 30 years ago, mm. actually 30, 35 years ago. Yeah. And it's very distorted, very twisted. Um, and it's very, it's very sad. Uh, I even listened to the person who directly, as we called, discipled me or trained me. Yep. And she's now a, a pastor's wife and now a preaching pastor out in California. So there, there was some evolution of women having more role. Mm-hmm. But the stuff she was saying was, it made no sense. It, I'm like, anybody listening to this, I have no clue what this means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just, it, I had a really, <clears throat> an overwhelming sadness that occurred. Yes. Um, it just listening to that, it just made me mm-hmm. sad. Um, I think that, um, other folks have gone on and they just continue with the same work over and over. You know, the, the whole thing was, you know, the Lordship of Jesus across the world, um, and then making disciples of all the nations. And, and it really pointed to the fact that the only, the, the way we believed was the only way that was true. Mm-hmm. And so it sets you up for this elitism and, you know, kind of a narcissistic approach to the gospel mm-hmm. that is not inclusive. <clears throat> it's not an, it's not open. It's not unconditional. And, um, I had so much anxiety and, and dysfunction in my life. Um, and it was, I mean, the things I went through were, were actually very abusive. Yes. Um, yeah. And 
Yeah. I, I mean, at one point I, after we met, after I got married and my husband and I moved out to Colorado and we ran into this same, same type of organization there, just as we started to attend church. And I just said to my husband, Andy, I said, if I, if I attend here, I'll, I'll probably have a breakdown. I said, I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point I say, I threw the baby out with the bath water battened up the house, flipped my middle fingers up and torched everything and just burnt it to the ground. And it, I didn't care what I believed. I didn't want to believe anything. And I didn't care if I walked away from absolutely everything that was ever prophesied over me or told about me, nothing mattered other than my mental health and sanity and, and, and getting, you know, getting through life. You know, I didn't even know what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And there, that was eight long years of sorting through that yeah. um, and coming back and then living in Colorado. It's a live and let live community, mm-hmm. which is really wonderful. And it allowed me to explore things, to understand things, to be much more expansive. And also I was understood and I was not controlled and I was loved unconditionally. And and it just allowed me to discern through different things that I chose to believe and other things I didn't believe and any and all of that was okay. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was very, very healing, you know, very healing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a great part of the world. Yeah. It's one of my, one of my favorite destinations. If that's right. like, it's another home. I mean, I, I lived there for several months. Um, as you know, um, yeah. before I came back to the UK. Yes. Um, so yeah, and it it you know that that uh, just that openness to spiritual exploration can mm-hmm. well, I mean, it's certainly my experience. It op- it opened up my awareness of who or what God might be, because I'm not going to say is, because I don't think any of us <laughs> really know that, but. Um, right with you there uh, which is is couldn't be further away from that now the narrow definition that groups like you have described seem to propagate you know right the kind of god who chooses who is saved and who isn't (laughs) right Uh, the kind of the kind of gospel that isn't actually about good news you know (laughs) Right. <laughs> the good news is right. We, we are actually all saved and all unconditionally loved. Well, at least that's my interpretation right. of what what Jesus said. Yes. And and so it ceases to become a it ceases to become about spreading the gospel or making disciples of all the nations. It's about control. And, right. You know, it's about power, and and neither of those things were what are what the Christian message actually is. Right. Fully agree on that. Fully agree on that. And it just, you know, and I think some of the things that switched for me was, you know, I explored the concept of, do we have multiple lives? Mm -hmm. My conclusion for me was yes, because I had deja vu all over again, as we say, I had deja vu Mm -hmm. when I was in Europe. Yeah. And I was in Austria walking down the streets in Salzburg and I made my way around the town at age 16 without a map. Yeah. And I knew exactly where I was. Yeah. Yeah. And others, you know, I've had multiple events like that. I'm like, this is so odd. 
and then as I then was exploring that in, in concepts in the Colorado in Colorado, I was like, what if I just allow the the thought to be that I've been here before? Mm-hmm. And what and, and as I as I did that, what happened was literally my anxiety melted away. Wow. So it wasn't like I had to have it right this time through, or how come it's so familiar and I'm struggling with this and I've struggled with this before. And that literally melted away overnight. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's figured out. <laughs> you know? and, and, and that's when I was learning kind of that mind-body connection. Yeah. You know, what is my true north feel like? What lines up for me? What feels like a freedom to me versus a restriction? Mm-hmm. And that's when I began to explore different truths or different things I thought were truths. And, and, and that's how I kind of sorted that through totally different than you know being raised under the lordship because that's you have to disconnect it was so traumatizing you literally had to disconnect from yourself to be able to function within that type of community yeah yeah absolutely and and that is one of the the definitions of of i'm gonna use quote marks (laughs) a cult Um, yeah, in, in, the, in a lot of the literature that you you, you can get hold of around cults, um, definitely that's an aspect of it that you're the the attempt to strip away what connects the person to their own truth, to their reality, to yes. the community, to their family, to you know any sense of themselves, so that that so that their attachment to the group grows stronger. Yeah, right. And, and the other uh, truth that was absolutely life-changing is I literally changed my worldview, my paradigm of belief that we're all bad and we need to be saved. Yeah. I said, nope, everyone's good. Everyone's good all the time. Mm -hmm. And things just happen to us. And our separation from God is merely an illusion Mm because we're not separate. No. And when I understood that, the sense of having to be driven in my life and excel and be perfect just kind of went away (laughs) and it's like that the ability to be open and accepting and loving and just being Mm -hmm. and just allow that being to define my life what did you accomplish well, today I just was, <laughs> yeah, <sounds laughs> you know, like a... tomorrow I, yeah. yeah. yeah and, yeah. and that was the, the biggest things that changed in my paradigms of belief. And those things were literally what saved me. Mm-hmm. That's what saved me. Mm-hmm. God was there all the time, yeah. always that I'm good, not bad. And I'm connected through spirit, through source, to the universe, and connected to myself to find my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering, I kind of know a little bit of the answer to this because we've talked. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm, I'm really curious about how that journey um, and, and set of realizations had an impact on your work as a physician? Mm, that's a great question. 
I believed the philosophy and why I became an osteopath was that the body had the inherent capacity to heal. Yeah. A.T. Still is the founder of osteopathy here in the United States. And that came about in the late, uh, like around 1867, 1869. And this little bit of history is important because he was an itinerant minister. Hmm. And he lost a lot of his family in an influenza epidemic. And he decided that there was a better way. There had to be a better way than, you know, what the current treatment was because people weren't really surviving and his family suffered and he suffered uh, trauma and loss as a result. So he just started studying the human body. And the early writings of A.T. Still are relatively mystical Mm. about the human body. And I was attracted to that. And (laughs) when I I was uh, shortly before I was in med school and while I was in med school, because I was still in the Maranatha group, I I would literally steal away to the medical college library and read these books that were mystical. Yes. And the thing was, every time I read sections and, and things, my, uh, I, I got goosebumps, my heart opened, mm-hmm. you know, I just was, I just, it just so strongly resonated. And I thought if I could ever dare to believe this way, it would be amazing. And so as the time went on, I, I did dare to believe that way. Mm-hmm. And what I came to understand is that, yeah, the body does have the, the inherent capacity to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of us applying healing to the body, we allow the body to find its healing because healing's there. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't find God, God's there. You don't mm-hmm. find healing, healing's there. And sometimes it's just simply removing the obstacle so healing can occur. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's saying, you know, I find now I use my gifts, callings, all those things that were, you know, non-removable that were without return more now than ever. Yeah. Wisdom's there. Healing's there. Compassion's there. Uh, miraculous is there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, saying a word and a person gets healed is there. It's all there. And it's, it's just, um, it literally just comes from the very center of who I am, because that's who I am. Yeah. And so the difference is, it's not what I do. It's not the fact that someone laid hands on me. It's not the fact that gifts were imparted. That was just what I came in with. Yes. You know, as I understood previous lifetimes, I've been a physician you know, more than, than I haven't been a physician in my various iterations. And so some of the things that felt exciting to do as I was in training, I'm like, gosh, I just feel like I've been there, done that, you know, and, um, things like, uh, trauma surgery and, and things that were really super exciting. And I thought, you know, I could do that, but I just feel like I've done a lot of that. And, I want to go to sleep. I want to sleep at night. <laughs> I, want to, <laughs> I want to be, be up when everyone else is sleeping. 
Um, so those, you know, those types of things just influence some of that stuff influenced me before I really understood what it was, hmm. you know, and, um, and I had an opportunity to study in Switzerland right at the end of my medical school. And the thing about Switzerland, besides how lovely of a country it is, you're somewhat culturally, socially, and linguistically isolated. Mm-hmm. And I was staying in a rural farmhouse. And then I would commute into Zurich to do my work. So just that rhythm and that quietness allowed me to um, have a lot of time by myself. Mm-hmm. And I read the book by Brother Andrew, Practicing the Presence of God. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, if I do nothing else but just practice that, that could be a lifetime of learning, right? And it was there up in the upper room of this farmhouse where I was staying that I decided I didn't want the high-powered surgery, trauma, all that stuff that I really just wanted to pursue this understanding of healing, this understanding of being a physician and, um, and, and really have a different way to live my life. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to the United States and said no to a number of things that were presented to me. And that literally changed the trajectory of my career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I don't think at that time I understood the impact. 27 years later, 28 years later, I get it, but I didn't quite get it then either, just because mm-hmm. it's big and complex. So, but that was definitely a part of the journey as well. Yeah. And there's, I mean, you specialize in integrative medicine, which, yes, you know, I have a, a particular interest in because you know, I'm a hospital chaplain and a hospice chaplain, and but I work in in a you know in a in a an acute healthcare setting, and I'm seeing how the the spiritual component of yes. healthcare is so vital, and and how we've kind of stripped that away from from what physicians and doctors do, and nurses to right. a huge extent. Um, and, and we sort of farm it out to the people who do spirituality, you know, <laughs> Which, right, and that's right. great. It's great because then they give me a job to do that. But it seems right. bizarre to me that doctors only do medicine right. and, and not right and not the, the 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 care of the whole person. Right. And and that's <clears throat> what what, you know, this wonderfully uh, you know, burgeoning field of integrative medicine is attempting to kind of recapture, isn't it? Is we mm-hmm. treat the whole person. Yes, we take the best of more, you know cutting edge medicine, but we also bring in practices from other modalities, and we also mm-hmm. treat the whole person, mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. the works. Um, and I think we need that more of that. <laughs> We do. We absolutely do. I think we, so we've got this whole concept of the scientific inquiry yeah. and medicine being science. What's well, reductionistic thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, even when we look at studying, say a new medicine, how does that medicine work in the body? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, it doesn't work in one cell and one pathway because all the pathways are connected to the other pathways and all the cells are connected to the other cells, but mm-hmm. we've decided one pathway one drug, one mechanism of action is the way to go. But that just, 
we have to start calling that stuff as it is, which is basically not true. And we have to say, well, that's just not how the body truly works. Um, and so, you know, having that understanding, I think is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our diseases have their roots in trauma, yep. in um, uh, lifestyle that can be, uh, you know, uh, traced back to choices. What's make how, you know, how do we make those choices? What influences us to live the way we do? And um, medicine at its core, I think, is truly a transformative practice. Yeah. Yeah. And it really helps the person understand who they are. I mean, mm-hmm. even looking at genomics these days, know your genes so you can make decisions in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. Every day I talk to someone about diet and exercise and lifestyle and they go, well, I want keto or I'm paleo or I'm this. And I go, well, let's see what your genes say. Yes. <laughs> and then we can literally figure out, you know, what could be best that you're meant them. to eat. You meant to eat pizza and croissants. That would be the diet that I would like to eat. <laughs> um, I haven't seen that really bear You're out in the literature, a high but carb I'm diet. open. <laughs> high carb and cheese diet. That's... <laughs> now that would be a miracle. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I think, well, there are... <laughs> good i like that yeah i haven't seen that one yet though but i'm looking no. I'll, I'll i'm open <laughs> it's not sufficiently what's the word uh i'm trying to think of the austere that's the word people like right. austere don't they they like to suffer yeah yes their, um and i'm not sure i mean that's that come it comes out of a lot of kind of religious thought doesn't it as well that that somehow suffering makes it more it valid and you know it and, does and or, you know changing lifestyle cho- choices to my mind really only work if it's something that you can really do and enjoy doing and and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the, the idea right. of no carbs is just what no <laughs> yeah, i know yeah. well and i haven't seen any of that bear out in the literature actually no actually no, no there carbs. isn't much evidence to it's it it's not no we need we no. need that fuel and right? so exactly yeah. and uh, some people just handle it differently mm-hmm. and so yeah and so you know, so it goes, I think it goes back to being allowing medicine to be transformative, allowing our spirituality to be transformative and finding integrity and integrity is not a morality issue. It's a physics, it's a physics statement, integrity. It's like a plane going off the runway, full steam ahead, taking off, boom. It stays, if if you've got screws loose, the wing's a little wobbly, that plane's not an is not in its integrity and then physics takes over right Mm -hmm. so same thing in our life you know medically we could say the same thing if you are in your integrity being who you are meant to be eating how you're meant to eat uh exercising all those things as you're designed by your genes then you're in you're in your integrity and it's a lovely thing yeah so i think that's true spiritually too um allowing for our beliefs allowing for our understanding and you're in your integrity um and then it's really like a it's like takeoff off the runway it's absolutely all systems are go it's a wonderful thing yeah and and it and it it comes through in the body when that balance is off right in any aspect it does but this definitely does for me 
Um, and I know I'm not a unique being yes. in that respect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even, even if yeah, one it, aspect. It does. Of... So. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Mm. So, yeah. So baptize four times, you know, I think that was good. <laughs> um, it's something that, that I chuckle about now. Um, I saw it as a failure, but it's really, it's just now part of my journey and I'm okay with it. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, do I have regrets of lost years? Yes and no. I think I would have preferred some other choices where it was less rigorous, but there was some things I was really trying to sort through. And I believe in all the things I did, I was earnest. Um, and so that was, that's okay too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also like um, all of our experiences shape who we are now. All of them. Yes. Yeah. And who you are now mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. Yes. I would agree with that too. And it's interesting because when I encounter super religious people, I can actually help them unwind from some of that to find healing. Yes. And then some are just really, really firm with that. And I can also just let that be too. Mm-hmm. So helps me to know I'm no, I'm not triggered by that stuff now. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's good. That's good. Hmm. <sighs> so um, one of the things that I ask all my guests to do is to share a, a poem or a prayer or a blessing or a thought to finish with i'm not sure if you have something um you need to pause to find something we can do that i do let me pause real quick i can yes I, it's funny because i kept having a song over and over in my head so there's this lovely um americana artist um and I can send you the link for YouTube That's for great. the official yeah. video. And <clears throat> interestingly, the, the title of the song is The River Jordan. Yeah. And it's about being baptized. <laughs> Wonderful. And, and it is. And um, it's a great song. And it's very, uh, I think, very meaningful mm-hmm. um, after our conversation. And so, um, yeah, I'll send that to you. I think that's what I would like to contribute. Yeah. And for our listeners, this song is The River Jordan by May Erlewine. Take my hand, my one, and we'll shove off to the sun. And together we will run the River Jordan. And with stars in our eyes, We'll sleep under the sky, safe on the banks of the River Jordan. And when you fall asleep, sleep well, sleep deep. The dreams are always sweet on the River Jordan. And in the morning you'll see light pouring through the trees, shining like a diamond on the River Jordan.
Yes. Yeah, that was lovely. I also lovely. sent you the lyrics. Okay, I will. Yeah, I sent you the lyrics too. Share yeah. them on the in the show notes so that people can see those and sing along if they want to. Yes, and then that nice. would that would suffice as a poem as well. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much, Mary. It's been really great to talk to you. I I feel like we could go on for another several hours. <laughs> but yes. I know that you I know that you have a busy, a busy schedule and uh yes that you it's uh, time for you to get on with your day but uh maybe we yes. maybe we can come back and have another conversation because i'm really that would be great yeah that would be wonderful yes yes i would love to do that it's been delightful to speak with you and and uh, delightful to be able to just to share my my story and my journey i appreciate that oh you're more than welcome thank you You've been listening to Fucked Up by Faith with me, Jude Mills. Our music is by David Goodall and you can find the podcast on Spotify and all major podcast channels. If you would like to take part in the podcast or you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please do get in touch. You can do that via my website, judemills.com forward slash podcast and I look forward to hearing from you. Go well.